This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. You know, we're talking about fighting the good fight of faith. It was so funny. We were uh, uh, watching America's Funniest Home Videos Sunday night, Heather and Chloe and I, and this guy was, he was uh, boxing, and he swung and he missed the bag and just fell right into the wall. And I stopped it and I rewound it and I took a video of it, a picture of it, and I sent it to Tessa. I said, can we, can we post that or can we use it at the teaching? And, well, the quality wasn't good, but I got a kick out of it. It was, uh, you know, that's a, what, at times in our life, it's what we, what we look like in the spiritual realm when we're not learning to fight on purpose. You know, when I was a, a little kid, this came to me a while ago, my, my uncles, uh, they taught me a lot of stuff I didn't need to know. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> but I remember they would, uh, boy, they were, they were mean. And, uh, you know, they were just jacking with me. I was a little bitty kid. And so I remember this one time, my uncle was asleep in there, taking him a nap, or he wasn't up yet or whatever. And so I'd go in there, and I'd been watching wrestling. <laughs> you know the tight speedos are jumping off the tight rope so i'm thinking okay here it goes i'm i don't know i'm maybe eight nine years old i'm little and he's a pretty big boy i mean he's and so he's in there asleep and i go over there and i get behind him and i get get him in the sleeper hole and i get underneath his neck and <laughs> i just just lean back on his neck like this and he wakes up and sure enough he passes out while i take off running <laughs> And I got to thinking, that's what I felt like when I was learning how to overcome with the word as a young believer. You know, I feel like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to win or lose, but I'm going to give it my best, you know. <laughs> but our Heavenly Father doesn't want us to wonder whether we're going to win or lose. He shows us in His word how to fight, how to fight correctly, and we win. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and this is our foundational scripture, fighting the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. See, we want each and every one of us to know how to fight and to win the fight on Monday when you're at home and there's no music playing, there's no pastor preaching. Do you know how to fight? Do you know what you're fighting? He says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold. The word lay hold means to take, it means to receive, it means to obtain. Eternal life. Lay hold of what God has for us. Fight the good fight of faith. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Say, fight the good fight. fight fight. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Let me just start in verse 6. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought... The good fight. Now, 1 Timothy, Paul was writing, he says, fight the good fight. And here, 
In 2 Timothy, he says, my departure's at hand. You know, we've referred just like at the airport or something. There's departures and there's arrivals taking place every day, all throughout the day, right? And if we were to step back and see into the spiritual realm, there are arrivals, babies, and departures, people going to be with the Lord every day. About every every two seconds, people people are, are departing. Around the world somewhere, there's departures and there's arrival. Paul says, okay, my departures at hand, verse 7, I have, not I'm going to or I, I, I might, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, when we get to the end of our course, we want to be able to echo what Paul said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. When things were good, when things were not good, I kept the faith. Whenever I felt like it, whenever I didn't feel like it, I have fought the good fight of faith. Say, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. It's a good fight because we are created to win. And we are connected to a, a ministry and a house that that's part of the assignment here is that Teaching people to win in life. That's who we are. That's what we do. It's our DNA. Why? Why? That isn't something that Dr. Savell and Pastor Justin just thought up. No, that's the DNA of God. Yeah. Winning is the DNA of God. It's the character and nature of God. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have ran my race. Run your race and then go be with the Lord. Don't just exist here on the earth. Don't just bide time. Do what you're created to do. Fulfill what God has put you on this earth to do. And then go on. Don't go before you've completed your race, completed your assignment. John chapter 17, verse 4. Jesus said that I have fulfilled the work that you have, you have told me to do. I have, I have completed my assignment. What he was praying to the Father. Are you in the process of completing what God has created you to do? Are you in the process of running your race? Not existing, not just getting your number and getting on the starting line. Have you listened to the gun sound? Have you, have you started stepping it out? Fight the good fight. Because in your race, there's going to be a fight. But it's good because we win. Say, I win. I win. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Fight the good fight. How do we win? Well, we've learned that part of fighting is the good confession, right? We, we win by what we think on. We win by our belief. We win by our words. We win by relationships. We win by the house that we're connected to. We, we win. We set ourselves up to win by what we do on a daily basis. It doesn't come down to one battle. It's what we do on a daily basis that determines whether we win or whether we lose. We're not created to lose. But we have our part to play in winning and fighting the good fight of faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. He says, therefore I run, thus not with uncertainty, thus I fight. Say fight. fight. Not as one who beats the air. Not as one who beats the air. In other words, Paul was saying, when I'm running my race and I fight... When I do something, I'm going to do it on purpose. That we grow to the place in our relationship with God that when we think a thought, we think a thought on purpose. 
When we speak a word, we speak a word on purpose. When we pray, we pray on purpose. When we lay hands on somebody, it's on purpose. Whenever we do anything, it is on purpose. When our feet hit the floor in the mornings, we are doing it on purpose. Every breath that we breathe, it is full of purpose. Proverbs 19, 21, the purpose of God remains forever. Are you in your purpose? Have you discovered your purpose? Are you running your race? Are you hitting with definite aim? Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. Amen. What are we fighting though? Go to First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter five, fight the good fight. See, winning is fun, right? Winning is fun. My wife gives us a hard time because it doesn't matter if we're bowling or whatever we're doing. She's like, let's just have fun. I'm like, I am having fun. Winning is fun. <laughs> Winning in our marriage is fun. When sickness tries to attach itself to your house, overcoming it is fun. When there's financial lack and you walk in abundance, winning is fun. When you have dealt with addiction for years and you walk in freedom, winning is fun. When you go through hell on earth, but then you walk in restoration, winning is fun. Johnson paraphrase, shoving it right up the devil's nose. That's fun. <laughs> First Peter chapter five, verse eight. He says, be sober, be vigilant, be sober, be, vig- be vigilant, be sober. What is he saying? Think, think correctly, see correctly. What, what's your perception of whatever you're facing? You know, the obstacle or the circumstance it just is. The, the situation, it just is. But how we look at it determines really what it is. You know, I, I can have a, a, a box that a hat goes in and that box just is. It's not small, it's not big until I compare it to something. Now compared to a, a ring box, that box is big. But compared to a box that you would stick a car in... That box is small. But see, the box in itself, is it just is. The, this, the thing that you might be facing, it just is. It's determined by how you look at the thing. David looked at Goliath, and Goliath just was because he looked at his God. And when he looked at his God and he looked back at Goliath... He compared Goliath to his God and Goliath was small. The Israelites compared Goliath to themselves. And when they looked at Goliath, Goliath was big. It was determined by how we see something. And Peter is saying, okay, it's important the way we think. 
our perception. He says, be sober, be vigilant. What does vigilant mean? He says, be watchful, be alert. And he goes on to say, because your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, adversary means your enemy, the enemy. He wants to kill, steal and destroy. That's his job, right? The enemy, the devil walks about. I was looking at that this morning. Walk about in the Greek means that he walks in large, but he wants to prove his power. He wants to go on a walkabout where he proves his power to you. But Peter is saying, watch the way you think about his walkabout. Be alert. And whenever you see him walking about, keep it in the right perspective. He's going to try to prove his power but he says, be watchful, be alert. He's, he's looking for someone. He's roaming around seeking someone he may devour. He's looking to see if he can devour financially. He's looking to see if he can devour uh, physically. He's looking to see if he can devour families. He's looking to see whatever he can devour, that's his nature. Kill, steal, destroy. Devour means swallow up. He's looking for someone to show himself powerful in their life. But he goes on in verse 9, he says, But you resist him steadfast in the faith. You let him know that his power has been robbed from him, ripped from him. He is powerless. He has made nothing. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. When he comes doing a walkabout through your house, let him keep walking because he can't prove his power there. So what do we resist? How do we resist? Second Timothy, I mean, Second Corinthians chapter 10 Second Corinthians chapter 10. He's seeking someone he can devour. Say, not me. Second Corinthians chapter 10. So what are, what are we resisting? What are we, what are we fighting? Second Corinthians 10 verse 3. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons... Of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So how, what does this look like? For the enemy to seek somebody that he can devour. Peter is saying, be sober, be vigilant, be on the watch because your adversary, your enemy is looking for someone he can do a walkabout in, with, around, prove his power, his ability. Say not me. Not me. Verse 9 says, but resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Well, how is he going to devour? Right here, Paul tells us that our job, our the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Pulling down strongholds. The word pulling down in the Greek means to demolish strongholds. Strongholds 
The word stronghold means a, a fortress. The word stronghold means a prison. He's saying demolish the, the areas of thinking that are not lining up with God's word. He goes on to verse five, casting down arguments in the Greek. Casting down means to bring it down violently. To demolish it to the point that you, you rip it up in shreds till there's nothing left. In other words, you don't tinker with the devil. We're not afraid of the devil, but he says, be watchful and be alert of how he's going to try to kill, steal and destroy. He says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of wrong thoughts, strongholds, imaginations, arguments. One translation says argument means anything that is trying to persuade you against the truth. When you're arguing with somebody, you're trying to persuade them to see things the way you see them. He says the devil's going to come and try to argue with you to get you to see things his way. He says, but be sober, be vigilant, watch, be watchful and be alert. Don't let him devour you. Pull down. When he tries to persuade you, he says, demolish it. Don't play with it. Don't tinker with it. You rip it down. You pull it down. You bring it down. Think with me for a moment. Whenever you think about your physical body or you think about your finances or you think about your dream or your destiny, are your thoughts in alignment with God's word or are there some thoughts that are lurking that you need to rip them down? You need to demolish them. You need to tear them up. It says bring every thought into captivity. Every thought. Say every thought. Every thought. Every thought. Every thought. We have power and we've gone over this here before we have power over every thought it's our mind and we will think what we choose to think according to God's word right say it's my mind and I choose what I think he says bringing every thought into captivity the word captivity in the Greek means to take it like with a, a spear and you're going to bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ obedience of Christ obedience is where we get our word acoustics from We're going to make the thoughts line up to listen to us. That we're not going to listen to our thoughts. Our thoughts are going to listen to us. If we don't take our thoughts captive, our thoughts will take us captive. It says you get that thought and you bring it down until it listens to what Christ is saying. Till it listens to what the anointing is saying. What is the anointing saying? I'm going to remove every burden. I'm going to destroy every yoke. That thought, is it listening to what Jesus is saying or are you listening to what it's saying? He says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, the word devil is is more of a job description than it is. uh, It it comes from two words. It's a compound word. Dia and balo. Dia means that there's uh, uh, actively penetrating. Balo means to, like a ball or a rock. The, the devil, his job description is he's going to show up and he's going to try to do a walkabout. And he's not just going to show up one time, but he's going to be actively going after your mind, arguing with you about your destiny, arguing with you about your health, arguing with you about your family, arguing with you. Are you going to argue back? How do we argue back? We pull it down. We tell him to shut up and get out of here in Jesus' name. Ephesians chapter 6. 
every thought into captivity. I'm trying to stay calm. (laughs) Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. Mm, Yeah, we're not done 2 Corinthians 10 yet. Hang on. You're believing with me, right? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We'll get to Ephesians 6 shortly. Mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, the devil is full of pride. He's been trying to exalt himself above God since before he got kicked out of heaven. So the suggestions and the thoughts that he brings about your family, about your finances, about your physical body, they're trying to exalt themselves above what God said. Because that's in his nature is to try to put himself above God. You and I are created in the image and likeness of God. So he knows the way we're wired. He knows the way we're created. He knows how we operate. Whenever he fell from heaven, he didn't necessarily lose his intelligence. He lost his place of authority and dominion, but he didn't lose his intelligence. He's been at this thousands of years. And a lot of times what we call spiritual warfare really isn't spiritual warfare. It's more beating the air. I felt something though. I mean, I, I mean, I, I got, I got hot. I got sweaty. I mean, yeah, you can, you can punch the air. I mean, you can get a good workout, Right. And a lot of times what we have called spiritual warfare isn't spiritual warfare. It's beating the air. Yes, we shouted. Yes, we got worked up. But was there change? Was there winning? Was there victory? Or was there just feeling? Was there just emotion? Am I fighting on purpose? Am I thinking on purpose? Am I living on purpose? Am I believing on purpose? Or am I fighting the air? He says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. What is he talking about? He's talking about, okay, lining our mind up with God's mind. With God's mind? With God's mind. These are God's thoughts. That come from God's mind. To bring us up to his way of living. But there's a fight to keep us down to this way of living. I'm not staying down. I'm coming up. Say I'm coming up. But it's going to be a good fight to come up to live the way that God wants us to live. When he talks about imaginations, what, what, are, we, what are we fighting? What are, the imaginations, the arguments, the strongholds. 
He says this is spiritual warfare when we're pulling down the imaginations, we're pulling down the strongholds, we're pulling down the logical thinking or the irrational thinking. It's, it's, it's great that you think through things. It's great that you dot your I's and cross your T's. It's great that you have a plan. It's great that you do your research, but don't allow your details to talk you out of God's plan for your life. Don't allow having to know every single thing about everything you're doing talk you out of the plan of God. Because your logical mind will stop you from fulfilling the plan of God if you're not willing to submit it to the Holy Spirit. But when you submit it to the Holy Spirit, he says, when you commit your plan to the Lord, now your thoughts will become agreeable with his will. Now you step knowing that my thinking is going to come into alignment. Irrational thinking is, is your thinking, are you afraid of failure? Are you afraid of sickness? Are you afraid of disease? Are you afraid of the economy? Are you afraid of who's the president? Are you afraid of what the other side of the world is doing? Are you afraid of this? Are you afraid of that? He says, pull it down, cast it down. The imaginations that are going on in your mind, get a hold of them. Remember, imagination, image, nation. God had a, a, a nation called you and I, that he had a certain image in his heart of the way he sees us. And he sees us through the blood. He sees us healed. He sees us victorious. He sees us blessed. He sees us running our race. He sees us whenever you throw a blow, it connects directly and brings him down. When the devil does a walkabout, he sees you winning. It's a good fight. A good fight. Ephesians 6. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Say, I'm glad I came. Ephesians 6. I have so much fun with the armor of God. Because we win. Exactly. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you to hear with, hear with fresh ears. Because a lot of times or sometimes when we go over certain scriptures, oh, I've heard that. Oh, we've gone over that. I've gone over that since I was in, in, in Sunday school. But we're talking about how do I fight a good fight? He, he says, finally, finally, my brethren... Finally, Lord, finally is saying it's great. Everything that you now you're hearing with fresh ears, right? right? He's saying, finally, it's great that in Ephesians, we talked about redemption. It's great that we talked about the order of the home and the order of the church and, 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 and redemption and righteousness and grace. It's great. He says, but it finally means in the writing of that time, finally means if, if you've heard everything else, that's great. But finally, if you didn't get anything else, you need to get this. And the word brethren, this is so powerful. The word brethren, it means that you and I, we, 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 we come out of the same womb. We're, we're cut from the same cloth. Just like two twins. So when he's writing, he's saying, this is Paul. Now, now, now at this time, Alexander the Great... 
he would have these banquets at this time and they would, and he was the tail kicker of the, the day. I mean, this, he was the hero of the day. And so they would have these banquets throughout the land and, and the generals would keep their eye on certain warriors during a fight that thought different, walked different, talked different, fought different. They kicked tails and took names. And they would have this banquet and they would bring that warrior up on the stage and Alexander the Great would put his arm around that soldier and he would say, my brethren. And in other words, he's saying he's cut from the same cloth that I am. I don't lose. I don't think lose. I don't think defeat. I only think win. My brethren. And the Holy Spirit is saying the same thing to you, saying, my brethren, you and I are cut from the same cloth. The Holy Spirit doesn't lose. The Holy Spirit isn't depressed. The Holy Spirit isn't defeated. He's saying, my brethren. So he's saying, finally, if you haven't got anything else out of Ephesians, finally, you need to get this, my brethren. And he's saying, I'm speaking to the warrior on the inside of you. I'm speaking to the winner on the inside of you. I'm speaking to the healed one on the inside of you. I'm speaking to the prosperous one on the inside of you. Finally, my brethren. He says, be strong. This word in the, in, in the Greek, this word be strong, it, it, it comes from uh, dunamo, where we get dynamite. He's, it's being strong, but it, it paints a picture, listen, of a, a vessel, a container that is designed to hold creative power. Miraculous power. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong. Be this vessel. Now, now, when Paul's writing this, he's not suggesting. He's not just saying, well, if you get around to it, you know, this is a good idea. No, in the Greek, it's the strongest voice with the strongest command, not suggesting that this is a good idea. He's commanding. You and I, he says, finally, it's time for you and I to be strong. It's time for you and I to be the vessel of power and honor and integrity that God can flow to and through to change the world around. Finally, my brethren, be strong in what? In the Lord and in the power of his might. The the power of. Of his might, his, his might in the Greek, it, it paints a picture of, of the strongest power in the universe, like a, a bodybuilder, a, a man of strength that whenever he moves his arms, things happen. He's saying, you and I, it's time for you and I to be strong, be that container of power so that when God works with us and in us and we're working with him, when we move our arm, it's just like God moving his arm. When God moved his arm, he parted the Red Sea. When God moved his arm, he flung galaxies into existence. When God moved his arm, he raised Christ from the dead. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And the power of his might. Then he goes on in verse 11. He says, put on. Put put on. Remember, this is not a suggestion. But if you can put something on, you can also take something off. But it's the same word, just like in Colossians 3.10. Ephesians chapter 4, when he says, put on the new man. Put Put on the new man. Put on the whole armor of God. 
The whole armor comes from a Greek word, uh, panoplia. I probably, I probably didn't say it right. That's probably Texas for that word there. But it means nothing lacking. That you're complete from head to toe. He says, put on the whole armor of who? Of God, of God being the originator, of God being the source, of God being the designer. Now, when they would come in to the army of that time, they would, they would measure them from head to toe and everything they had was designed specifically for them. They weren't wearing Aunt Boo Boo shoes. They weren't wearing, you know, well, some guy got taken out on the battlefield. Let's give you his sword. No, when they came into the army, the shield, it was made for you. The sword, it was made to fit your hands. The helmet, it was made to fit your head. The shoes, they were made to fit your feet. The breastplate, it was made for you and not somebody else. Everything that we have in the kingdom of God. Now, this is the armor of God, the originator, the source. God did not hand you this armor and think, Joseph... I don't know if it works or not, but you sure look good. Just to make you feel better while you get your tail kicked, here you go. No. Whenever he pulled the sword and he gave it to you, he designed it to win. When he, when he created the helmet to go on your head, he created it to win. When he handed you the breastplate, he created it to win. When he gave you your shoes, he created it to win. When you pray your prayer, he created it to be answered. When you speak a word, he created it to create. When you believe with your heart, he created you to win. He says, put on, put on, put on. With not one ounce of doubt, not one ounce of unbelief that you were going to fail. He says, you put on my armor. My armor. Designed specifically from me to you. Put on the whole armor of God. What's the purpose of this armor? That you may be able... You may be able, listen, you may be able, that you may be able, whatever you're facing, the spirit of God is saying that you may be able, that you're in the race and you're able to win. That you may be able to overcome that sickness and disease. You may be able to walk in abundance. You may be able to run your race. That you may be able. You may be able. The word able comes from ability, strength, explosive power. That you may be able. The Spirit of God is breathing life into your spirit, man, saying you're able. I don't care what anybody else has told you. You're able. I don't care what circumstances have said to you. Remember, it's just trying to argue out of you out of your destiny. It's trying to persuade you to be something. Somebody that you're really not because who you are is victorious. Who you are is a winner. Who you are is healed. Who you are is blessed. Who you are is a victorious warrior. That's who you are. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able. I don't care what devils you face, you're able. I don't care what the doctor's report is, you're able. I don't care what your spouse says, you're able. I don't care, you are able. To stand, the word stand in the Greek is the word stenea, and it paints the picture of a confident soldier with his shoulders back, his head up. Why? Because he knows he's able. That you're able to stand. 
you're able to stand. The word stenea also paints the picture of, of a soldier that's called to a certain field. And don't you leave your post until you complete your assignment. Don't you leave your post until you've completed your race. Don't you back off till your life is completely restored. Don't you back off till you're walking in the word of God. Don't you back off. Remember, you are able. It doesn't mean slump over and this will bless God. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. No, he says that you may be able to stand against. Against comes from the Greek word pros, P-R-O-S. And it means that you may be able to stand eyeball to eyeball. Eyeball to eyeball against whatever enemy you're facing. If it's addiction, you face it. Eyeball to eyeball, knowing that you're able to win. That you're not backing down. If anybody backs down, it's going to be him. Eyeball to eyeball against. Against what? Against what? The wiles of the devil. The wiles, that's not a word we use all the time. Wiles comes from a, a Greek word, uh, methodus, where it's a com- combination word. And it's where we get our word odometer and it's where we get our word method. And it, and it paints the picture in the Greek of a road. He's saying, now, now you have this armor. Remember, we win. Right. We fight the good fight because we win. He says, you, you have this you have this armor on and you're able to stand Stenea against eyeball to eyeball against the wilds, this road. And on this road, it paints the picture of the enemy, the devil, Diabolo, Diablo, carrying continual thoughts of cunning, crafty lies. Where to your mind? Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 11, he says, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. The word devices comes from a Greek word, uh, no, no matos. Once again, I'm not a Greek scholar of these. I'm just working on it. All right. You're believing with me, right? But it means mind games. It means confusion. It means deception. He says, don't you be ignorant of the devil's mind games. Don't you be ignorant of the, the thoughts that are on this road. And where's the road heading? It's heading to your mind. Why is it heading on your mind? Because whoever controls the mind controls the life. So he can continue to have there to be a lot of traffic on the road to your mind that you can't do this and you can't do that. This represents a thought, by the way, just in case you're wondering, what's he doing with his hand up there? This, this cunning ideal, this lie that you'll never walk in victory, this lie that you'll never be who God has called you to be, this lie that you'll never have abundance, this lie that the word might work for somebody else, but it ain't going to work for you. This lie and Diablo, the devil is trying to penetrate you over and over and over again with the lie. Why? Because if he penetrates the walls of your mind enough and you give in, then he gets to your heart and out of your heart flows the issues of life. Now, what once was a lie becomes your reality because it penetrated your mind. Now you believe it and now you're living in it. How's the traffic flow to your mind? 
What are we fighting against? He says, this imagination coming. This argument coming. This stronghold that's been there to keep people out. And this stronghold that's been kept you in prison. You thinking the way that you've always thought. And Aunt Boo Boo and Uncle Ding Dong and everybody else. And so here you are. He says, no, you demolish it. You bust it down. You get violent about your thinking. Lining it up with God's word. Because whatever's traveling on that road to your mind will eventually get into your heart. So with this, with this armor, we're able to step in the middle of traffic and hold up our sign in the name of Jesus. You don't belong on the roads to my mind. I rip you down. Closed road right here. I'm no longer thinking on lack, sickness, defeat, disease, poverty, the curse. Road closed. You don't belong here. And you open up the lane that says the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. You open up the lane that says by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. You open up the lane that says in Christ I can do all things. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. How are you doing? Remember 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he tells us to examine ourselves to see that our faith is producing the, the accurate fruit. How am I doing when it comes to bringing every thought into captivity. How am I doing of, of, of controlling the traffic that's traveling on the road to my mind? Because the devil, we, we think the devil, we're, we're looking for him to show up with a, a red suit and horns and a pitchfork. No, he's so crafty and he's so cunning that he is designing thoughts and images and arguments designed specifically for you. Wanting us to take them and to believe them so they become our reality. But Paul says we are equipped to win. We are dressed to win. We have the armor of God on. We, the weapons that we fight with, they're mighty in God. Against the wiles of the devil. He goes on in, in verse 12. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against, uh, princi- but against principalities. Remember what the word against means? Cross, eyeball to eyeball. This is, he said uh, that we wrestled not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. What are all of these doing? I mean, we could break this down and it's talking order, rank, and all of them have their different assignments and everything. But what is their purpose? To deceive. What is their purpose? To bring imaginations. What is their purpose? To bring arguments. What is their purpose? To kill, steal, and destroy. He goes on in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, girding your waist with truth. Stand therefore, girding your waist with truth. Girding your waist with the word. Notice he starts with the, the belt of truth. The, the only armor that you can see. The only armor that made it from the spiritual realm into the natural realm. He says that you're able to stand. 
with the belt of truth. Because if we're not applying this in every area of our life, the rest of the armor doesn't function. See, it's the belt that holds the armor together. It's the belt that the sword clips to. It's the belt that the shield clips to. It's the belt around the breastplate that holds it in place so it doesn't flap. When you're in the middle of the fight without a belt, you spend more time trying to hold up your pants because because your belt's off and you get a little sweaty or whatever and your britches get too big. And so you can't run with purpose and on confidence because you don't have your belt on. <laughs> But when we have our belt of truth on, your, your righteousness is, is in place. And you're confident that you belong in the fight and you belong on the winning side. And your helmet isn't spinning around. It's wrapped around your mind and you're thinking the word of God. You're declaring the word of God and your shield. See, without the belt of truth, you don't have no rhema. You don't have the double-edged sword that's designed specifically to take out that assignment. We want this word from God and that word from God and this word from God. God isn't going to quicken the word until you have the belt of truth on to have your sword to come from your belt. Why? Why why do I keep getting my tail kicked? Why do I keep losing? Why? Maybe you've thrown off your belt. And because you've thrown off your belt, you no longer are able to run your race with confidence. You're no longer able to, 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 to run your race and be who God has called and created you to be. And you know what? You go into pastor's office. You know what? He, one of the things he could say, where's your belt? Yeah. Well, you know, pastor, <laughs> you know, if I go home, I'm. 43 years old, and I, I just sit there and I stand in, in the kitchen in my underwear. That, that's a bad image. I'll move on real quick here, all right? And I asked my mom and dad, they're probably watching. I asked mom and dad, well, will you dress me? Well, you, I can tell you what my dad's going to tell me. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You dress yourself. But see, and that, now let's take it into what, what does that represent? I'm going to come here every Sunday and I'm just in my spiritual diaper. Pat, Pastor, will you dress me? I, I know that I have my belt over there, but can you put it on for me? And then we leave and we come back next week and we're still in our skimpies. Pastor's saying, what are you doing? Well, you do such a good job, Pastor. <laughs> Will you please, just please, again, just put my shirt on. <laughs> eventually, you know what Pastor is going to tell him. Probably not eventually, the first time. Trey, I love you, but you're going to have to dress yourself. See, on Monday and on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, when we come into the house of God, we should already be dressed. 
We should walk in here as soldiers knowing who we are and where we're going and the word that comes out of pastor. It should just sharpen our sword. It should just shine that breastplate just a little bit more. It should, uh, that shield, it should just connect to the person next to you. Because see, those shields, they were wide and they were tall and they were meant to have, I can't do it by myself. I'm going to connect with the person next to me and together we're going to run across the enemy's territory. When we walk in the house of God, we should already have our shoes tight. And when we step, there were spikes on them. Some of them would be two, three, four inches long. And on the battlefield, they would plant into the ground. And it didn't matter how hard the enemy hit them, they would come back. But they would come back because they were able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. They were able to look over that territory knowing that's where I'm going, that's where I'm called, and that land is mine in Jesus' name. It's a good fight. The fight of faith. The fight of faith. What's the traffic on your road look like? What do those thoughts look like in the middle of the pressure, in the middle of the battle? Are you going to sit there and, and just entertain? It would be, be a lot easier just to give up. It would be, be a lot easier. Well, you don't understand how hard it is. What, what did, what, how, how did the enemy go after Adam and Eve in the very beginning? They weren't two cave dwellers looking at each other. Ugh, ugh, ugh. They were brilliant. Brilliant. The creator of the universe would come down and fellowship with them daily. They didn't wake up one morning and think, you know what? I think I'm going to be deceived today. But what began to happen? The enemy began to travel on a road to their mind and got them to question. Did, did God really say that? God, God doesn't really want you to know what it's going to be like if you eat of this fruit. This, this will change your life. <laughs> it definitely changed their life. See, when we begin to entertain the lie, and we begin to tinker with the lie, we begin to just allow it to travel. Oh, because that's an old thought, and boy, it feels good on that road. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to get free, but boy, and you begin to think about that addiction, and you begin to think about that high, and you begin to think about, oh, there it is. Oh, 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 yeah, it's comfortable. And the next thing you know, you wake up in your reality. You've gone backwards instead of going forward. What's traveling on the road to your mind? This is a good fight, but we have to put faith into action. 
We have to strap on our armor in faith. We have to uh, wrap the word around our mind in faith. We have to, to put on our belt in faith. We have to put on our shoes in faith. We have to cast down and pull down that imagination, that lie in faith. It's a good fight, but we fight with the truth. We fight with light. 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 So what's traveling on your road? Is it truth or is it a lie? Is it light or is it darkness? It's a good fight and we win.